Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I'm your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. Hope you all are having a great week so far. Happy to have you guys back for another episode. The music that you're hearing, as always, is from my good friend Ryan Allwart. We mentioned it last week, but he's got an album coming out later this year. So go ahead and follow him on Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you get your music, so that you are up to date on his music. We've got a couple sponsors this week. Donato's Pizza here in Bowling Green and Leroy's Tavern back in my hometown of Evansville, Indiana. Both are locally owned places. You'll hear more about them later in the show, but I want to thank them for sponsoring this episode. My guest this week is Alex Stein. We are continuing with our April athlete features. Alex is a basketball player for the Canton Charge, which is the G League affiliate of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And if you're not familiar with the G League, it's basically the minor league of the NBA. So he's trying to work his way up to the NBA and obviously his season along with every other professional sport is on hold right now. So Alex was a star at the University of Southern Indiana in Evansville and he also played at Wrights High School which is the school that I taught at. Born and raised in Evansville and he's just a great guy. Just a phenomenal guy and also a phenomenal basketball player. Had one of the best careers in the history of the University of Southern Indiana and is now getting a chance to play professionally. And when he was in high school his team went to the state finals and nearly won a state title. But we talked a lot about his life from high school until now and how he has really grown in his walk with Jesus. And he's just got a great story. He's incredibly well-spoken and he's incredibly wise for being such a young person and being able to experience some of the fame that he's been able to. So he's really got a great perspective on things, including his season being on hold right now. And I really enjoy getting to catch up with Alex, and I think you guys will enjoy this conversation as well. So here's my conversation with Alex Stein. Well, Alex, glad to have you on the show. Uh, glad to finally catch up with you. It's been a little bit, but uh, you've been playing for the Canton Charge, which is the G League team for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I guess first, before we get into kind of the, the main reason for this conversation, how has the year been going for you, and what have you learned in your first season of professional sports? Man, it's been uh, a great year so far. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, just playing with a lot of great guys, and I really like the organization that I'm a part of. Um, I mean, we have a great team. We I think we are either second or third um, in the G League right now in the standings, and um, we were kind of preparing before or for the playoffs before all this kind of went down. Um, but I mean, my experience has been great, um, and I've I really have loved it. I think there's definitely been some challenges uh, just for myself um, through it all, but overall, I've really enjoyed it a whole lot. And then, you know, obviously, whenever the news came out, it seemed like it was one thing after another, with all the different leagues kind of starting to cancel because of the coronavirus. Where were you when you found that news out, and I guess how did you initially react to that news? Uh, so we were in Chicago. We actually. We played in Chicago the night before they canceled the NBA, um, and we were still in Chicago. We were getting ready to go to New York to play against the Westchester Knicks, um, which actually Westchester was like the main um, oh, yeah. place of the coronavirus uh, at that time. So we were kind of just on hold waiting to see if we were going to go there or not. Uh, weren't really sure. Um, but yeah, so we were in Chicago. Um there and that night we found out um that the season was going to be suspended at least the nba season was going to be suspended and the g league is um doing a lot of the same things that the nba is doing so we figured our season would be suspended too so it was, it was definitely really unfortunate to hear that and um man i'm not really sure where, where things are going to go from here right now what's been the hardest thing i mean we there's i think there's definitely some beauty to all this where we get to slow down a little bit and i've talked to some people about that but as an athlete you, you're in such a rhythm i mean going back probably even from the time you're in middle school where you're playing in your season then you have your off season stuff then you roll back into the next season you're not used to this kind of a slowdown really nobody is this is pretty unprecedented so i guess what has been the most challenging or difficult part of this it's only been about a week or a week and a half and you know, you're probably still getting adjusted to it, but what have you learned about your own rhythms and kind of how you're, you're balancing staying sharp, but also, um, I don't know, like, I, it's just so unprecedented. <laughs> I guess what, 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 what have you, what have you figured out about yourself and how to, how to manage all this as an athlete? I mean, it's definitely hard, but, uh, not only for myself, I know everybody else is struggling with it as well Is it's like, this is very, 
um, surprising for some something, something like this to happen. So uh, you could just really have to control what you can control. And um, I mean, right now we're on lockdown. So um, most of the stuff I'm doing right now is just in-house. And um, luckily I have, I have a court in my backyard so I can go outside and shoot out there. But um, I mean, no gyms are open. Um, so there's not a whole lot of resources to use right now. But, um, and like you said, yeah, that the rhythm that you have, especially at this point in the season, like, um, preparing for the playoffs, our team's playing really well. And then all of a sudden this happens. So, um, I mean, it's definitely tough and, uh, our season's still suspended. It isn't canceled right now. So, I mean, there's a chance that, uh, we could, um, come back and play. So it's like during this time we have to stay ready. Um, and do what we can do to be in the best shape and um, just to be the best player that we can be if we are to go back, which is definitely tough. Definitely tough. Yeah. yeah so it's like, you know, I, I, I can't imagine being an athlete, especially at your level where you're playing professionally. And there's just so much of a, a regimen that you guys probably have day in and day out. And to take yourself out of that, it's got to be jarring. And so it's like you go from training at a nice facility with weights and a gym and now you're at, <laughs> shooting in your driveway. It's like it's like reverting back to whenever you're 12 years old, back in your driveway. Now, fortunately for you, you've got a basketball coach as your father, so you got a That's little right. bit of coaching that you can that you can have at home. But I mean, just can you, I guess, speak a little bit more to just the difference of going from a professional atmosphere with you know a high quality gym and coaches and probably like a weight training staff and probably even a nutrition staff and all those things to now it's your, your parents and your friends, you gotta, you kind of got to do it all on your own. You know, yeah. you've got a little bit of leg up cause your dad's been a basketball coach for a long time, but you know, for a lot of these guys, it's like, they got to go back to their roots and just play back at their, their driveway. Yeah. Man, it's really different, really, really different. Um, but I mean, I think just through it all, like I said, you got to control what you can control and, um, just like through this process, through this whole situation, it's like you just got to make the most of what you have and what you can do. Um, and uh, I mean, I feel like I have I have a weight set at home, so um, I can definitely lift weights at home. And but it's just different, especially stuff on the court, because I was getting good workouts in every day with coaches. And um, and in that situation, there's three or four coaches working with you um, each time you're on the court. And, and now I'm in my backyard shooting. So <laughs> it's <laughs> shooting by myself. But yeah. it, so it, it's definitely different, but, um, I'm just trying to imagine all these guys on your team. Like you got, I mean, you got guys on your team that played high level division one basketball that a lot of people <laughs> listening to this would, would recognize if they saw their names, like JP Mercura from, uh, right. Xavier. And then, um, what's his name from Michigan? He has a really long name. Muhammad Abdul Ali. Abdul Muhammad Ali. Yeah. 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 That's an awesome name. So you got all these guys <laughs> on your team that are like, you know, big time players. And, and obviously you've played at a high level and the G league's got some really good players. So I'm just imagining these guys that, you know, just like they're, they're, they're training in their, their big time gyms are used to that. And then now they're playing on like a goal, real, the goal back in their driveway, <laughs> you know, something like that. But it's just, I, are your, are your coaches communicating with you regularly and telling you like, different things to do, or is there a way that they can still coach you and kind of have somewhat of a team element, even though you're not together? Yeah, a lot of that's going on with uh, our strength coach right now. He's given us a lot of just in-home workouts that we can do on our own. Um, if you have weights or even if you don't have weights too, he has some different stuff that we can do and definitely a lot of conditioning stuff to to make sure we're prepared um, either way if we continue on the season or not. Um, there's a little bit of communication with the coaches just here and there, seeing how um, everything's going, seeing if everybody's healthy um, and that sort of thing. But a lot of it's with our strength coach. He's doing a whole lot of stuff with us right now. You know, I, I, it's just so different because, like, and sometimes whenever you have downtime, you might be able to to work part time and make a little bit of money or do something here or there. And we're just in such a weird time where, unless you've got a job that you can do remotely or online, or like, is there's nothing that we can really do as people. We can't really go out to the movies. So, like, whenever you're not working out and, and doing your basketball stuff, what do you do to to fill your time throughout the day? Uh, man, right now I'm reading a lot, reading a whole lot of books. Um, yeah, I really enjoy reading uh, a lot and watching a little bit of Netflix here and there, kind of doing a little bit of that. But um, man, my hope 
was when I got home was to be able to to train some kids um, in right. basketball, which is what I was doing last summer a whole lot of with uh, with a few different kids. So that was kind of my hope um, to do that when I got back home. Um, but obviously everything's changed a little bit. And um, but I, I hope to pick that back up uh, sometime in the summer when all this kind of calms down a little bit. Yeah. What, what books are you reading right now? I mean, I was an uh, English teacher, so I got to ask you what books are you reading. <laughs> So I'm reading Hole in Our Holiness by Kevin DeYoung, a uh, Christian book. Um, I just started it. Um, and then, man, what was the last one? I was reading another book on holiness, too. So just a couple good books that uh, some of my friends had recommended to me that, I, that I'm pretty much enjoying right now. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, definitely wanted to get into that faith aspect of, of your life, too. And yeah, I guess it's kind of a nice transition. But what have you what have you learned i don't want to say learned about god throughout this process but i guess how has your faith gotten you through this period of uncertainty where you don't really know when you will get back on the court you don't know when you'll be with your team again and just as a nation we don't really know when we're going to be able to go back to normal i mean how has your faith gotten you through you know what's been going on so far yeah i mean i think through it all it's just trusting that god's in control of all things and um and I think just knowing that he's working all things for my good, um, which is, I mean, it's something great to rest in through all this, all this um, just crazy stuff going on that you would never expect to, to happen, like in this world, in our lifetime, yeah. um, just trusting in, in his so- sovereignty and his control over all things is, I think it's definitely uh, comforting in this time. I think that's been the one thing that I've heard the most is people just trying to to assure each other, like God's sovereignty and all this. Like we don't understand why this is happening. We don't understand what is going to happen next. And we don't understand why people have to die from this. And I think it's one of those things where it's hard to accept it because it doesn't make a lot of sense in the abstract in the, in our world where, you know, we want an answer. We want to understand why a plus a and B equals C or anything like that. And a lot of times you're like, why did this, why is this virus able to spread so easily to people and kill people? We don't have an answer. I mean, like, I guess, where did you, where, where did your foundation of faith come from? I mean, I guess obviously did you, did you grow up in the church or what was, you know, where did that process start and, and how has it strengthened throughout your life? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I grew up going to church and my family, uh, raised me in the church. Um, I, I pretty much went to church every Sunday and I was confirmed to the Lutheran church. Um, but throughout that whole process, I didn't really understand what was kind of going on through it all. Um, and I don't think I understood the gospel, um, at all at that point. Um, I was kind of just felt like I was trying to please my parents through it all. And, but I'm, I'm very grateful that they raised me in, in a Christian home. And I just, I was raised by, um, a Christian family, Christian parents and lived and they lived by biblical principles. And, um, I mean, they just taught me really well, but I think it was around, uh, my freshman year of college when, um, when I would say I, I truly became a Christian and uh, there was actually a guy, uh, at USI. So it was move-in day at USI my freshman year. And this guy helped me move into my apartment um, my freshman year. And he uh, he asked for my number and I gave him my number and he had, he started asking me to hang out and stuff and figured might as well got to make new friends, uh, that sort of thing. And he, um, we ended up hanging out and he ended up sharing the gospel with me. And I figured, you know what, I already know this stuff. Like I grew up, I, I grew up hearing this my whole life. Like I'm a Christian for sure. But then he kind of, he started going a little bit deeper with me and asking me deeper questions just about what my faith means to me. Um, and if he, he asked one question, he asked if um, you were to stand before God today, what would you say to him to, for you to go to heaven? And um I said, I believe in Jesus and I feel like I'm a good person. And um, then he, throughout it all, he, he began to just uh, get, give me some verses to study on my own. And we, we started to study the Bible together. And I just realized that um, I was claiming I was a Christian and he was doing the same, but his life just looked a whole lot different than mine. And I really wanted what he had because I could just see his life was different and he had a lot of joy in his life. Um, through everything. So 
Yeah, my freshman year, I would say I became a Christian. I believe that like Jesus was the only way that I could have a relationship with uh, God the Father and that he was my only hope for salvation. So my life has just changed radically um, that's, that's from awesome. that point on. So. Yeah, it seems like college can be a really pivotal time for a lot of people because especially, and I, and I noticed this just in, in my life and my friend's life, and uh, I can tell that this is probably going to be the, the, the same progression that a lot of my students had too, because a lot of kids grow up in the church. And like you said, you're told a lot of things and a lot, sometimes it almost gets too easy to just be like, you kind of mentally assent to it where you're like, yeah, I know, I, I know, I know what that means, but right. you don't understand really the depth of it. And I think, you know, even though you were going to school in the town that you grew up and really not too far from where you went to high school and grew up, you're on your own now and you're an adult and you're kind of doing your own thing. And I noticed when I went to college, that was the first time that I really felt responsible for I was like, hey, if nobody, if I don't do my homework, nobody's going to tell me to do it. If I don't go to right. bed at a good time, nobody's going to tell me to do it. And it's like all those things that you get tired of your parents telling you, you realize, okay, that's for your own good. And right. it kind of progresses into like for me, you know, I grew up in the church just like you and I had a faith growing throughout, going up through high school and everything. Then I got to college and I just realized like, I really like, I, I want to go deeper with this. I want to know why, why do I believe this? Why do I, mm-hmm. and, I and I've even gone through, even more of a progression from my mid twenties to where I'm at now. And it just, I think it's one of those things where you continuously, as you get older, you learn more about who God is. You learn more about his character and you learn more about um, just what it actually means to have that faith. And I I mean, as you, as you progress as an athlete, you know, starting from that freshman year to your senior year, you know, you got a lot more pressure on you as an athlete that, you know, as your, as your career grew and your success started to accumulate two things, I guess, how did you manage that I don't I don't want to say fame, but necessarily you know the the, the attention you're getting because you were I mean one of the best Division two basketball players in the country by the time you were a senior I mean you were an All American t- took a team to the Final Four uh, I, the list goes on I mean you had a lot of accolades and um, how did you manage that while also continuing to grow your faith and remain humble but also you know not not allowing um, you know that type of attention to get to your head. Yeah, I mean, I think it really, it just, it was all on what my identity was, like, where's my identity, and and all of that, and basketball successes, or whatever it may be, and I mean, my identity was found, is found in Christ, um, and who he says I am, Um, so I think that, I mean, I think that just changed um, how I live my life, I mean, I realized that, I'm not living for my own self or my own fame, my own glory, whatever it may be. I'm like, I'm living for God and his glory. And that's, that's how I've been called to live my life. So, and I mean, obviously there's definitely a lot of struggles through that, especially through success. It's like, uh, there's definitely a lot of prideful thoughts and things that come about, um, from success. And, uh, that was, I mean, I think that was definitely a struggle for me, but I just have to realize that, um, man, my identity is in Christ and the gospel should humble me. Um, and I should not, I should not live a life of pride because I know how sinful I am and, and how sin really does taint about everything that I do. Um, and, but Jesus has saved me and that's where my identity is found. It's not found in a game or, uh, people's approval, people's praise. Cause that, that stuff's going to fade. That stuff's going to, um, fade after a short time, but my relationship with God won't. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, think about the progression of, so your, your senior year of high school, you guys had an absolutely phenomenal team. One of the best high school, if not the best high school basketball teams in Evansville history, in, in my opinion. And you guys go to the state championship, barely lose that game. You go. You have a, a college unfortunately. career. Unfortunately, yeah. It, it, that was, oh, man. and that was even before I was a teacher at Rights too. And I was, just, I was rooting so hard for you guys. And it was just, oh, I, I, man, I in my mind, it. you got in my in my mind, you guys won that game. It was funny because Coach Adams, you know, he rarely wanted to talk about it, and I had never wanted to bring it up to him whenever I'd seen him at school when I was a teacher. But he, you could tell, he just was like, man, that's the one that got away. But either way, you guys. I mean, Phenomenal high school career, phenomenal senior season. Then you get to go play at USI. And by the time you're a senior, you end up taking USI, which is where your dad coaches. 
uh, the women's side, obviously not the not the men's side, but coaches the women's side there. And so you grew up going to USI games just like many kids in Evansville did. And you get to take the team to the Elite Eight in Evansville, playing in front of a sold-out, just about sold-out Ford, Ford Center. Just what was that experience like from your senior year of high school to your senior year of college? And I guess when you think about just the encore aspect of it, can you think back to maybe how your faith started relating to all that and aligning it? I guess it's kind of a weird way to ask it, but you know, as a senior in high school, I'm guessing you were a much different person than you were as a senior in college. So as, as, as your athletic career progressed and you continue to have success, um, what did that look like when, when paired with how your walk with Jesus was, was growing as well? Yeah. Um, I think even my senior year of high school, I don't, like I said, I don't think I was a Christian around that time. So um, man, I was living I was living for the the fame and uh, the hype that was around our team. And um, obviously when, I mean, our season ended, it was like, dang, that, that's it. Like, man, we worked so hard for so long and uh, for it to end this way too, like for us to, to lose in overtime in the state championship um, and uh, to lose that lead at the end of the game, it's like, is it, and it just ends like this and, and that's it. So I think even around that time, like I was thinking like, there's got to be more to life than just this. Like if, if I'm just going to feel this way after this, like there's just got to be more than, than what this has to offer me. Um, but yeah, I think over my college career, um, I mean, I don't think my life just drastically changed, um, right after I became a Christian. Um, I, I don't think it was radically I don't think it had radically changed um, within the first year or two, but I think over time I just saw uh, a real change in my life and a real desire to like read God's word. And I just saw my desires just continuously change throughout it all. And then, and I think through that, I realized, um, like I was saying about my identity, it's like, what, what is my identity going to be going to be put in? Um, and I think I, kind of figured that out through throughout my college career um and it took some time um just to to grow in my faith and uh and to see that impact how I play basketball and and what my mission is in playing basketball um is it just for my success um or do I have the opportunity to be a, a light to my teammates um, do I have an opportunity to share my faith with my teammates? And I began to um, do that and see that in my life, um, probably around my junior, senior year. I think when I started to become more of a leader on the team is when I really, I don't know, I felt like I had more confidence in sharing my faith with those yeah. guys and, and trying to really lead them um, and be a light to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I just, being, being a part of a team is, is so unique. And especially when you, when you're playing at a high level and you kind of grow that brotherhood and uh, you know, you, I was talking to the, the girl from the Oklahoma team and she was kind of saying the same thing that that's been one of the hardest things about be, this break. If you want to call it that is not being around her teammates. And I think it's, I, I never played professionally. I never even really played at the high school at the, at the college level, but I can imagine that, um, and I'm sure this is the same way for your professional team, but there's something about a college team that it's, it's a different atmosphere. You're playing for your school. And for you guys, you had three, you had two of two of your high school teammates playing with you, which I think was just awesome. Right. So you've got kind of a natural brotherhood built in there. And then you get two other guys that play high school together in Indianapolis that came down and played. And then you got a mixture of other guys. What, what was that brotherhood like? And, and how much did that, I know you guys were a very close group. I mean, how much did that help to where you even got more comfortable to share your faith with those guys as well? I mean, man, I miss that team and I love that team. Uh, man, I really felt like we were we were a family and I really felt like we were all brothers, like uh, on and off the court. And we just, man, our chemistry was great. And I think that's what, I mean, led to so much of our success. And obviously the talent has to be there too. And we definitely had the talent, had a lot of good players. But if you don't have that camaraderie um, that we had, then it's hard to have success. But yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, a lot of those guys I got to play with for two or three years. So um, they weren't guys that had just come for a year and were gone or anything like that. They're, they were four-year guys and guys that I've been around a lot. And just being able to develop those relationships, build those relationships with those guys, um, I think definitely 
um, gave me confidence in uh, sharing the gospel with them and kind of telling my story um, to them and just building that trust with them. Um, kind of, I feel like it kind of came easy because, um, I mean, when you think about a, a college basketball team, um, I mean, guys are coming from different areas, different backgrounds, and um, man, from really all over the country. So it's a bunch of different guys coming together for one goal, and that's to win and to win a championship. Um, but it, I mean, it was just really neat to be able to um, develop those relationships with those guys, be able to to be a light to them, um, and be being able to share my faith with them. Um, and just to have that much success together as well. I think it goes without saying that you're glad you chose to play at USI. And coming out, out of your senior year, when your team had so much hype, you know, you had Jalen that was going to play at Toledo, Drew Smith, who obviously was going to go play at U- University of Evansville, and then now is at Missouri, and Nate and Jacob and a ton of other talent on your team. I, I mean, I'm sure you were getting looked at by some Division One schools, and you chose to go to USI and stay home. There's a lot of athletes that still are fighting the stigma that no matter what, I want to go D1. I want to be, even if I'm going to sit the bench and you went to D2 and you were an all American, you got to play on a team that went to the national championship or the, well, the final four in, in, in Evansville in your hometown. And you got to have all these experiences that you might not have had. Had you gone to D1 and not played as much, mm-hmm. I guess, can you speak to your decision making process when you were a senior and I'm sure your dad coaching at USI and you growing up here or in Evansville, played a little bit of a role in it, but you had a chance to be a starter from the time you were a freshman and be a leader. So walk me through, what was that decision-making process like, and how did you know that Division Two and USI was the spot for you? Yeah, um, so I actually, I didn't have any other offers um, coming out of high no, school. Boy, I, can, Not, I, I find that, because I always say, I'm like, because I went to Western Kentucky, and there were so many years when I was like, man, they could really use Alex Stein this year because <laughs> they needed a shooter, they needed a point guard, and they needed something that was just like, it was going to give you 110%. And I was like, man, Alex could totally play here. So I, <laughs> I, just, I just assumed that you had some B1 offers. That's crazy. Yeah, Western Those Kentucky. <laughs> Western Kentucky had actually, they had sent like a couple letters, but they never offered me a scholarship or anything. Well, that so. was probably when Ray Harper was the head coach then too, wasn't it? Cause he was, I think it was, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But, uh, no, I mean, I think I feel like it was a real easy, um, decision for me. Um, especially, I mean, not having any other offers out of high school. I mean, I, I committed a little bit early, like before my senior years, right after, uh, my last AAU season, but, See, um, I was you pretty confident. Would have had to, you would have had some D1 offers and if you would have waited it out, but <laughs> maybe, my, maybe, <laughs> But I still think I would have gone to USI regardless. Um, Man, I'm so glad I chose USI. And I think, like I said, I think it was a pretty easy decision. Um, I wanted to stay somewhat close to home so friends and family could could watch me play. Um, And obviously with my dad coaching there, um, I mean, that that would give him the opportunity to to pretty much watch every single game of mine. Um, And knowing that if I went anywhere else, then he probably wouldn't have been able to watch many of my games really at all. But um, with him going to school there, playing basketball there, my mom going to school there, um, I felt like it was a pretty easy decision. And just with all the success that USI has had in the, in the past, it, um, I mean, it really drew me in and I liked coach Watson a whole lot, like the assistants, a lot and just knew the culture was a culture of winning and I wanted to go somewhere where I was going to win games. Um, cause that's the most, that's the most fun part of it. So it was a real, really easy decision for me. Hey guys, just interrupting this conversation with Alex real quick to tell you about our sponsors Donato's Pizza here in Bowling Green is a fantastic establishment, locally owned, and they're just doing some great things here in our community and trying to make sure that people are able to be fed and taken care of during the coronavirus pandemic. They're still open for carryout and delivery, and if you want to have a no-contact delivery, they have that option as well. So hit up Donato's, call my buddy Spence, who owns it over there, and if you're looking for something to eat tonight, Donato's is fantastic pizza and they're great people and 
They care about their community, so I cannot recommend them enough. And I want to thank them for sponsoring this episode. We've got another restaurant sponsoring the show this week. Leroy's Tavern in Evansville is one of my favorite places. It's a locally owned place with karaoke, great food, great atmosphere, and the owners are great people as well. Located on the west side of Evansville, and they are celebrating 50 years of being open. And they are closed right now due to the coronavirus, but when they do open, they're going to be offering some family dining. And it is truly one of the best places in Evansville. It's just a great locally owned place, and they do a lot of great things for the community as well. They really care about the schools in town and the students at the West Side schools. If you're familiar with Evansville at all, you know how much of a community the west side of Evansville is. So Leroy's and their owners do a great job taking care of the community. So make sure that you support them whenever the stay-at-home order is lifted and we're able to go out to eat again, hopefully soon. Make sure that you hit up Leroy's Tavern. All right, back to the show. I want to go back to the national tournament last year because you guys go in there and probably not the favorite to win the region. And now the, if people who are listening are not familiar with the D2 tournament, it's set up different than the D1 tournament because you have eight teams from each region that go play kind of in a pod against their own region. So for instance, the Midwest region typically has 12 to 14 tournament caliber teams every year, but only yeah. eight of those can get in. So it's, it's challenging. And then you guys all play each other. So you may actually have, some of the top 15 teams in your own region. Whereas like, you know, the division one tournament, you might get seated differently and not have to play them till later in the tournament. So the Midwest region is always traditionally has been one of the most competitive regions in the, in the division two tournament. And yeah. you guys go up to Lewis, which is up near Chicago and had several hard fought games that you had to come back and win and one on a buzzer beater in one of them. And yeah. eventually, you know, win, and had to get to come to Evansville for the Elite Eight, which is basically the Division Two version of the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Walk me through that whole ride with your team and how elated you guys were. I mean, obviously you knew that the Elite Eight was going to be in Evansville, and as seniors and with three guys that play high school ba- basketball in Evansville, I'm sure that was like a dream scenario. We can come back to Evansville and play. What was that whole month of March like for you guys last year, ending with being able to play in Evansville? Yeah, it was a crazy month, really crazy month. Um probably one of the best months that I've ever experienced. I mean, uh, man, we, I think we had just come off losing in the conference tournament to Bellarmine and like we were down, we were really down after that game and we knew we were going to make the NCAA tournament, but that one hurt us because we really wanted to win that conference tournament. Uh, but after, after that conference tournament, I remember we had some great practices and I knew, I knew our guys were ready for the NCAA tournament. And I think, I mean, our mentality was just, we just had a refuse to lose mentality. And I think for, um, myself, Jacob and Nate is like, this could be our last game. Like these, these next games could be our last games. Um, so it was just going in with that mentality that like, we have to win these games and, um, man, we want to, we want to come back to Evansville and play in the Ford center in front of our fans. Um, and I think that was, I mean, that was our goal. Um, definitely after that conference tournament was to make it back to Evansville, um, and hopefully win the national championship. But man, it was a crazy ride that, uh, the NCAA tournament was for us. I mean, uh, we, we beat Ashland and then we ended up playing Lewis and Mateo Rivera hits that, um, hits that floater for the win, which was crazy. Cause the guy, the, the guy, uh, actually blocked it. He got a piece of it and it, really? it still went in. Yeah. And he still made it. So that was, man, that was pretty wild. And I think in, in, in tournament runs, that there, there has to be a little bit of luck for mm. just about every team, just a little bit. And I think we found some, we definitely found some there. <laughs> I remember that was, watching that on, because they, they were streaming those on the computer, and I was watching it, and were y'all, were y'all down that game, if I remember? Like, like it was we were pretty tight in most of the game, but okay. um, there were yeah, some we were down. down quite a bit, yeah. So you come back, and, and I, I, you guys were, if he had missed the shot, y'all would have lost the game, right? Right. Was it? Okay, so he, man, I, I, that, I hope that video is on YouTube or somewhere where people can go watch it because he, he drives in and he just throws it high off the glass. And Mateo Rivera, like I'm five, 
I'm five seven. He's probably no, not much taller than I am, if at all. And like, I think it looked like the play was. I don't know if he was supposed to give it to you on the wing, but he basically was like, forget that. I'm just going to the rim. <laughs> and then I don't know if that was the player or not, but he just goes to the rim and, and throws it up over this tall guy and hits it high off the glass and it falls in. And I'm just like, what? Wow. Yeah. Crazy, it's, a, it's crazy. It's a quintessential March Madness moment. I mean, I, I understand yeah. like, you know, it's not like watching, you know, like a 16 seed UMBC beating Virginia, but it was it was nuts because it was like a you know it was a true buzzer beater and no one like like you said what was on the line for you guys where like for me especially as somebody from Evansville who was teaching at Wrights and was rooting for the the three Wrights guys to come back to Evansville knowing that if that shot didn't go in I wouldn't get to watch you guys again yeah. and then that shot and then I think was that the semifinal or was that that wasn't the championship was it uh, no Bellarmine was a championship Bellarmine was the next one and yeah that game man that game was crazy I think we were down it was either 20 or 25 at halftime that's the game that you were down a lot okay I remember yeah. there was one game where you came back from like some crazy deficit yeah that that game was wild yeah so we were down 20 25 at halftime and I remember coach Gant uh one of our assistants he came in the locker room and was man he was yelling at us and we had never seen him yell at us like that before we had never never got that from him but man he had a lot of energy coming in the locker room and I think it uh I mean I think it definitely spurred us on in that in that second half it's like man what's there to lose like let's go out there and give it our all and let's go win this game because we know we can win this game we know we have we're talented enough and and we've been playing really well other than this first half of this game we've been playing really well and um let's go get a win so and that's the second half was, uh, man, it was a, it was a quick turnaround. I mean, we came out with a lot of energy, and and we played we played really good basketball in that second half, and our defense was phenomenal. I mean, I just remember like guys were so locked in on defense that, and we knew we were going to get a, a stop on defense each time down the floor, yeah. um, because we just saw the importance of um, of each possession through it all and we wanted to win so bad so yeah i mean it's like it seems like most of your you get whenever you've gotten to right at the championship it, it's taken somebody who's also a professional player to eventually beat you because you guys ended up losing in the final four to point loma who's got a player dalton hamas who i think is still in the g league right um, yeah. and he was the d2 player of the year when you were a high school senior it took caleb swanigan also in the nba to beat you guys so it's like if you, you're you you've unfortunately had to face like the, the random professional players and your you'll often see those guys in high school or in division two and you've had to face those guys so that game against point loma was such a great game and i knew there was a lot of hype going into it but what i'll always remember is the atmosphere and the energy downtown in evansville i don't know if how much of it you really got to take in because you were getting ready for the game but i mean there were like a bunch of the guys from the 95 team came back and we were all just packed out at backstage bar, which is right across from the Ford center. And mm -hmm. it was like all of these guys that I had seen growing up, you know, playing for USI and all of these fans that I'd seen growing up and I'd go to games. And it was just like, this is awesome. And it was, you know, the, the weekend before that we had the OVC tournament, which was cool, but I'm not invested mm -hmm. in any of those teams. And then you guys come in the next weekend or weekend or two after that. And we get the, we get the elite eight in the final four. And I'll just, I'll never forget how awesome that, experience was and I don't know how much of it you got to take in but I mean in terms of the atmosphere I mean walking out into uh, an arena that was pretty much at least the lower bowl at the Ford Center all packed oh, yeah. out you know Absolutely. easily the, I'd say easily the biggest crowd that you probably played in aside from your exhibition games against Indiana and other places like that but I mean you played at the field house in Indianapolis for the mm -hmm. state championship I'd, I would say the elite eight probably some of the biggest crowds you got to play for yeah definitely and I think um yeah, maybe my senior year of high school, too, because we got to play in some oh, big yeah. gyms Seymour, then, too. Yeah. But, yeah, with Seymour, because Seymour is, man, Seymour is a really big high school gym. But, yeah, I think it was definitely a couple of the biggest crowds that I played in front of. And, um, man, I remember, I mean, my friends were sending me pictures and texts before the games of just – the the crowd outside of the Ford Center trying to get into the game and all the students in line and man it was just crazy to see because I mean I figured we'd have like a good turnout um for those games because obviously they're big games and we're playing in Evansville in our hometown and 
but I didn't expect it to be like that. Like that was, man, that, um, was just, that just blew my expectations. I mean, it was crazy. Um, and we fed off that energy so much. I mean, just to see that many people there cheering us on and, um, helping us win. I mean, it was just, man, it was amazing. And I I don't think it's something that I'll ever, ever forget. Um, with that, but it, it really felt like a, I mean, a home game for us. Cause you have, you have point Loma coming in and they're a California team and they have like 20 something fans there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we have 7,500 people there. So yeah. man, it was amazing just to, I mean, just to hear like our students just screaming and yelling all game long and just to hear the whole building just rocking and everybody excited. And, um, and it was just special. It was really yeah. special. And to circle back to what we were talking about earlier, and you, know, you mentioned how you don't find your identity in your wins or losses. But I would imagine that, and not to open up an old wound, but I would imagine that that loss to Point Loma in the Final Four, you know, in, at at home in Evansville, probably stung a little bit more than a November loss to some other team. You know, because because uh, it was a chance to go to the national championship game. And how did you? Obviously, there's going to be natural disappointment. Anybody who's competitive, I don't care how grounded you are in your faith, you're going to be disappointed after a loss like that. But, uh, you know, whereas maybe four years before you might have reacted differently or felt differently, how did your, I guess, how could you compare your emotions shortly following that loss to your emotions shortly following the state championship loss? Yeah, I think uh, just with that loss, like, um, I mean, I realized that I did all that I could do and I, I knew that all my teammates did what they could do and, um, things just didn't turn out the way we had hoped for. Um, but, um, and like you said, obviously there's a lot of disappointment from that. I mean, we're human, <laughs> like right. that's a, that's a big deal when you put, uh, so much work into something and then, um, you don't get the results that you want. It's, <laughs> it's tough, but, um, I mean, I, I don't think it hindered my faith or anything at all, uh, through that. I think that, um, um, just being grounded in my faith before something like that, uh, a circumstance like that is, um, kind of what got me through it and just trusting that God, um, knows what he's doing through all this. Um, and just being thankful, like for making it that far. And, um, obviously like wanted to win the national championship and wish we could get it back, but just being thankful for the opportunity to, to go on that run and have all the successes that, that we did as a team. And cause I think about this year and how many senior athletes don't even have the opportunity to compete, um, and in, in an NCAA tournament or championship. And, um, so I, I think I just had a more of a, um, an aspect of just being thankful, like for the opportunity, um, through all of that. And, um, obviously all those memories that were made will last a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. I mean, I, I, I never got a chance to play for, well, when I was a tennis player, I got to the regional, the regional round as an individual. And that was like the farthest I got. And I was disappointed when I lost, but it was kind of like, I, if I had gotten, a little bit further and you know i may have been a little bit more disappointed just because i was so close but i just i've never been able to experience like i guess well as a t- i should say as a tennis coach i have gone to the state twice and we've gotten beat in the round of eight both mm-hmm. times and that's that's been hard especially this past year with the boys team because we were undefeated and we had to play carmel in the first round and they were mm-hmm. they, they won state for the fourth year in a row and i was like you know there's a lot of teams here that we would have beaten because i had three singles players that were all undefeated. They were all 25 and 0 going into the state championship. Man. And we, we ended up having to play Carmel, which ended up winning the singles doubles and the team state championship. So I was like, that's a great, they draw. win everything. They win everything. <laughs> and it's just so dumb that like, think about like a school like Wrights having to play a school like Carmel in tennis. And the fact that we even competed, we lost to them four to one and we lost at three singles in three sets. And then my number one player, actually had the best score against their number one player than anybody else at the state finals did. And their number one player is going to play at Northwestern. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to check, I'm going to chalk that up as a semi win. (laughs) And if that's, if that's the one loss on my, on my last season as a boys coach there, then I will be happy with that. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to think like you, you get to that level and it's, it's very disappointing, but it's good to have that perspective, you know, and then 
quickly you're you're kind of starting to have to think about well now what's my next step and obviously you wanted to play professionally and you got the tryout with the I, how did that all work it was like a almost like a combine for the G League and you went out there and I guess walk me through that whole process of how you ended up getting picked for the Cavaliers G League team yeah so I think it all started with um just after that season I probably I took like a month and a half off of basketball which was the longest I had ever taken off from basketball being <laughs> being off a of court but uh throughout that process though I was um I was talking to coach Watson a whole lot because I knew I wanted to play professionally and I knew that I needed to have an agent to do that and um with that I was uh, just talking to Coach Watson and trying to get an idea of like who I could sign with, what agent I could sign with, and um, he actually he reached out to um, a guy that he um, knew I think seven or eight years ago, a while back. He had, so Coach Watson had had a few of his guys, a few of his players signed with this agent, and he but he hadn't talked to him in a really long time, so he reached out to him and um, just kind of told him a little bit about me and gave him some highlights and stuff. And so he put us in contact and uh, it ended up all working out real well. And so I signed with him and uh, through that, I, uh, I ended up going to Sacramento in the summer um, to work out and train for about a month and a half because um, my agent has all of his clients go out there and work out together um, and kind of just prepare for um, the next season, whether you're going to the G League, NBA, overseas, whatever it may be. Just everybody kind of gets together and works out together to prepare. And uh, we were, I mean, we were trying to figure out what uh, we wanted to do for next season. And uh, he thought I could have an opportunity, a good opportunity in the G League. So I ended up getting invited to that to that combine, um, and which was a it was a three day event in Chicago, uh, and all the uh, G League GMs would be there and all their scouts, and then I know they had some NBA um, stuff there for because some of the top guys, um, some some really I mean really great players were there. Um, so ended up going to that and had some success, played well. We played about three games, three or four games, and then um, did some combine work with vertical and, and that sort of stuff. And through that, um, after that, after that event, it was kind of just waiting for the G League draft, which was about a couple months later, a month or two later. Um, and uh, so I went back out to Sacramento, actually, after that to – keep keep preparing so it was a I mean it was a really busy summer just preparing for this upcoming or this season and uh had that draft um it was on a Saturday I forget the date exactly but the draft was that Saturday and um ended up getting picked by the the Canton charge and kind of went from there and man it was uh and it was definitely an exciting day because I just I, I got the opportunity to to fulfill my dream of playing professional basketball. It's like, um, man, it just felt really good. And, um, man, I'm, I, I was close to home too, which was nice. So yeah. I was about uh, six hours away, which is a lot closer than um, it could have been, uh, right. which I could have been all the way across the country. So I've had friends, family, and um, all of them be able to come out and watch me play some games. And I just think back to you mentioned earlier how you didn't have any D1 offers, which, again, is still surprising to me. But you had no D1 offers. And then yet you played four years of D2 basketball. You have all the success. And then you get picked in that draft over some guys that did play D1, some guys that had a lot of D1 success. And I have always just been incredibly impressed by your work ethic. And I've gotten to witness it for, you know, since you were in high school all the way through college. And you know, when people look at you, they may not think that you're the most physically talented person, but you've gotten to where you're at because your work ethic is, I think, better than anybody else's that I've seen come through Evansville in a long, long time. And I think that's probably what has helped you get to where you're at. And that's, you know, frankly, I think I would guess that your work ethic probably is better than a lot of people who may have played D1 and were just relying on their talent. And I know that you're not going to say, trump yourself up over them or anything but i just what i want you to speak to is anybody who's listening especially like for me as a coach like 
where did that work ethic come from and how important is it to maintain it even whenever you realize, okay, I do have some talent, but I can't just rest on Mm -hmm. that because I do think that there are too many athletes that they rely on their talent to get them where they're at. Whereas if they had the work ethic that you had, there's no telling where their game could go. And that could be any sport. I mean, I see it with tennis, baseball, basketball, all of Mm -hmm. that. So where did that, where did that work ethic come from and, and how did you maintain that even as your skills started to progress as well? Yeah, I think a lot of it came from my dad. Um, I think he just taught me to work hard. And, um, I think, I mean, he never, so growing up, he never really pushed me too hard to to play a certain sport or push me too hard while working out or doing anything like that. But I just felt like I just wanted to be the best that I could be. And um, what I what I try to do is like I just wanted to do things that not everybody else does. And I wanted to um, like I just wanted to reach my potential. Like I wanted to to be the very best that I could be. And um, so, I, I mean, I would just do, I mean, there was, I think there was one summer, uh, it was between my freshman and sophomore year. Um, I committed that summer to, um, completely to basketball. I was going to be in the gym all day, every day to hopefully, um, to, to get better and, um, to get better for our team to win. So our team can win games and, uh, we can win championships. And I remember I would, uh, my regimen for that, that summer was wake up in the morning, early in the morning and, uh, go lift around six or 7am and then get up shots after that. Um, then go back home and then go back to the gym and lift and then go on the court again and get a, a workout in and then play with our team when our team was here in Evansville in the summer. So I just committed each day to, to doing that, to sticking, sticking to that. And, um, just cause I wanted to be the best that I could be. And I think you're just cheating yourself if you're not going to put the work in, like, um, man, I, I think if, like, if you want to be great and you want to have great success at whatever you do, it's like, you have to put the work in, you have to, um, put the time in. And that includes when you don't want to, because yeah. I mean, I know for myself, there were plenty of times it's early in the morning. I don't want to get up. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to get up and do this, but it's, it's just training yourself to do those things, even when you don't want to do them and, um, uh, trying to do things that, you know, that other people aren't doing is like maybe wake up real early in the morning and go run a mile or two. Um, just trying to set yourself apart from, from the rest of the group. Cause everybody's everybody's going to work to a certain extent. Everybody's going to work hard to a certain extent. How are you going to separate yourself from those other people? And you got to, you kind of have to figure out what that is for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I always love, uh, there was a story that I've heard before, and I'm sure this is not the only player that has the same story, but when, when Kobe Bryant died, obviously a lot of people were talking about his different attributes. And one of the main things we kept hearing was his Mamba mentality and his work ethic. And Jay Williams was on ESPN and he was just breaking down and he was talking about how when he was a rookie, he got to the gym and he was doing his normal workout before a game, just kind of getting the shot, getting the shots up, kind of getting loose and going through whatever his normal routine was. And on the other side of the court was Kobe. And, you know, Jay was out there for 30 minutes, 45 minutes or whatever. And he, he's like, I, I was sweating. I thought I had a good work in. And I go and I, I put my shoes on and getting ready to head back to the locker room and Kobe's still out there and he's still doing his normal thing. And he's going even harder than I was. And he's this guy, he was like, he's going hundred miles an hour before a game tonight. And he said, I asked him, why were you doing that? He goes, because I saw you walk in the gym and I didn't want you to think that you were going to outwork me. And I just think that like, that's just obviously not everybody is Kobe Bryant and you know that's a special mentality that he had and was gifted with, but I just think that that's so true where the people that are committed like that, you can tell a difference. And I think, I think the reward, like for you, whenever you've had success on the court probably is a little bit sweeter knowing the amount of work that it took for you to put in, to be able to get to that point. You know, I mean, I guess as, as your success is built, I mean, how much does that make it where it's sweeter to enjoy knowing like, man, all that time that I put into the gym, that was worth it. Yeah. I mean, it definitely feels good to know. I mean, you work on a shot, man, you, 
so say you work on a shot and you make 200 of those that same shot every single day and then you go make it in the game and in a big position big possession whatever it is in the so like final a buzzer four against indianapolis on senior night is that what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> like one of those like uh, to work on those those moves, whatever it is, and then to see that come out in a game, I mean, it just it's so satisfying. It's like, man, I've worked so hard uh, to get this down, and I'm seeing the results of my hard work in the game. And I mean, that's just the greatest feeling. Yeah. Uh, I, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. Well, that's like right away. Your cup. Your what come to mind is that buzzer beater you hit against UND. It was senior night, and. I, you just got the ball and you just dribbled it out for 10 or 12 seconds, took it to the wing and shot it. And, and it was like, as soon as you shot it, everybody was like, that's going in. And <laughs> I, I, I'll never forget. I was like, this is the, cause it was the last game at the pack arena. And I was just like, man, what a perfect way for this, this building to be seen out, you know, in terms of games, that kind of thing. So was that just in particular, was that, a, was that the kind of shot that you're talking about? You'd work on that kind of shot for, hours perfected definitely i think i mean especially towards the end of games that's normally the spot that i would try to get to i try to um normally what i would try to do is take him to the um left left corner near half court and try to get to that right wing but i didn't have the chance i didn't have enough time to get all the way to that left corner so i was more of just up top but i wanted to get to that right wing because that's where i really felt comfortable and uh ended up getting there and getting up a good look and i mean i I, I really feel like, I mean, I had worked on that shot so much and I just had the confidence that, man, I'm, I'm going to make this shot if I get to my spot. Yeah. Cause that's like the kind of thing where it's almost like muscle memory because you can't, you're already, it's hard enough to fight the nerves of that moment. So you got to just allow your, your skills to, to take you through that moment. And you could tell like, there's no way that you hadn't been working on that shot. It's a game winner. Like you don't just make a game winner for nothing unless you're just completely lucky. So that was that your senior year is one of the, the you know, I, I've been going to USI games since I could remember. And granted, I've lived out of town some years when I was in college and haven't been to every game, but that senior year that you guys had was probably one of the most memorable that in the 95 season. I think of the Oh three Oh four seasons, whenever they were really good and went to the championship game and, yep. Uh, it's just like that's that's up there with with some of the great memories and that's why I've always been grateful that I grew up going to D2 basketball because there was nothing better as a kid growing up than watching Bruce Pearl and Ray Harper go at it and that was some of the oh, best yeah. I don't care what level of basketball that was some of the best atmosphere I've been to and so it was really funny um, whenever I was a freshman at Western was actually Ray Harper's first year as an assistant at Western and so I'm sitting in line at Subway and I look over and I notice that he's in line in front of me. And I texted my dad and I said, dad, you're never going to guess who's in front of me at Subway. And I think he knew that Ray had started coaching there. And he was like, oh, is it Ray Harper? I was like, yep. <laughs> so uh, obviously growing up a big Bruce Pearl fan, I was just like, dude, this is crazy. And then yeah. my senior year, the head coach at Western was fired in the middle of the season, in, like in January. And so Ray, mm -hmm. Ray Harper was named the interim head coach for the rest of the year. And everybody was like, oh, we got to hire him as the next head coach. They got to bring him on. And the team ended up going to the tournament that year. They had a losing record, so they were a 16 seed. But it was like an improbable run to win the conference tournament. Then they ended up winning some crazy game in Dayton in the first four. Mm -hmm. And then they had to play Kentucky the year that Kentucky won with Anthony Davis. And Harper got the head coaching job. And I was just like, y'all don't know. Like, <laughs> and then I was just so hoping that they, he would end up getting to play Bruce Pearl in Division One now. And granted, they, they've each have had their own troubles since they've gone in their coaching world. But um, it was just crazy because then my first job out of college, ironically, so I, was, I went to school for journalism and I was a sports reporter. My first job out of college was at the Owensboro newspaper and I got mm -hmm. assigned the Kentucky Wesleyan beat. And so I was covering Kentucky Wesleyan basketball and I was like, y'all can't hold it against me that I grew up a USI fan. <laughs> so it's just funny. Like, I mean, Ray, Ray Harper, I think he ended up, he get, I think he re resigned, but I think he was mm -hmm. technically, technically asked to leave uh, Western. There was some indiscretions that happened, which I mean, not to say I foresaw that coming, but I mean, <laughs> Not surprising but he uh he was a good he was a nice guy but yeah he's down at uh jacksonville state now i always okay. i think he's he's in alabama and so bruce pearl coaches at auburn i just i really wish that those two schools would play each other just so we could see that again one more time but that'd be I sweet we'll get that yeah uh so one of the la the final questions i always like to ask people on these interviews so the show is called in no hurry and the whole idea behind that is just kind of like being able to slow down and you know relax and 
recalibrate our focus. And typically that's, you know, with the idea that like, you know, we allow ourselves to get too crazy and hectic and don't really focus on our faith or things that are prioritizing, you know, to us as much. I got to figure out a way, a different way to ask this now because lives are, people's lives are not as crazy because everything's just been slowing down. (laughs) But, um, you know, I guess we kind of talked a little bit, a little bit earlier about what you've been doing since, since life has slowed down, but generally what are kind of your, your go-to things to do whenever you realize like, man, I'm going too fast. My life is going too fast. I need to just slow down and chill out a little bit. What do you usually go to? Yeah. I mean, I think normally what I'll do is I'll read the Bible. Um, I mean, I find a lot of peace and rest, um, and doing that and just studying God's word. And, um, I just really enjoyed a lot. Um, cause I want to know God more and I want to know my, my savior Jesus more. And, uh, I want to have a deeper relationship with him. So I think that's, I mean, that's the main one um, for me. But I think there's times, too, where I just like to put my phone down um, and put electronics down and and read a book. Like I said before, I, I like reading books a lot. So just picking up a book um, and I feel like I find a lot of rest in, in doing that. And um, I really enjoy reading a lot. And just putting the technology away is really helpful for me sometimes. And um, I think with just in our social media driven culture, it's easy to just want to compare your, your life to other people's lives on social media. And, um, I think that's just draining. So I think just putting, putting that stuff down, putting the technology down, social media down, um, for a little while has, I think that's always been really helpful for me, um, yeah. in, in this process. Yeah. And you're, you're speaking my language here because that's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all stuff that I have been saying like that that I mean that's a big reason why I started this podcast was just to to perpetuate that idea that like we do need to slow down and and I'm very much guilty of of not doing that like I'm so attached to my phone at times and I've had Me to too. Me like too. I, I I I've I mean I've written about this and I'll and I'll, I'll actually I'll share I'll share some stuff with you after we're done here that I've written and um I did a podcast episode a couple weeks ago uh really when all this coronavirus stuff started to happen and I was like, we've got to use this now as an opportunity to recalibrate our focus and our identity, mm-hmm. especially as Christians, because for me, like I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm a huge sports fan. I don't have baseball to watch. I don't have basketball to watch. And as a coach, you know, I'm at times guilty of putting my identity and the success of my team well, I don't have a team to coach this spring. Really, I don't have much of anything to do except focus on my relationship. And you can see this behind me. This board is actually a book that I've been working on for about a year and a half. And oh, so wow. I have okay. I have time to like actually focus on that. Wherever you know, whereas in the past I've allowed all these distractions to come in and like, well, I'll do that later. I want to I want to watch this game tonight. And it's like I don't have basically what I said in one of these uh, articles that I wrote was I don't have any any distractions unless I create them for myself. So yeah. like if I if I go up and I want to play PlayStation for hours or watch Netflix for hours like that's on me. You know, and like I can kind of justify it in my mind a little bit where I'm like okay there's a Cardinals game on tonight or Western's playing in the conference tournament. I got to watch that at this time. Well, there's nothing on like unless I want to sit and watch old tournament games on CBS Sports <laughs> Network, I don't have anything to do. So, I mean, it's I think it's it's what you're saying is true. Like we do need to put our phones down. Like yesterday I went on a walk with my wife and typically I would have my phone with me and I left my phone at home and we went on a, a nice walk and, um, you know, I, I was just commenting on the different architecture of the houses and how they looked. And she goes, I've never heard you talk like that about things because you, you're always on your phone when we go on. And I was like, wow, that's true. Like I'm always yeah. distracting myself. So I think it is really true. Like this is a time now, like not that I would ever wish for this to happen in our world again, but I do believe that this is a time where like we don't have things to distract us and it's time to really focus, not just like definitely on our faith, but even just like on our family and our friends and the people that matter to us. Like for me, rather than watching a game, I can sit and watch something with my wife that we both like. And that's time that we can spend together where she might watch the game with me, but I know that she doesn't enjoy it as much as I do. And it's like, now we can do things that we both enjoy rather than kind of trading off things that we both individually enjoy. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree with you completely on all that well alex i'm so impressed with you it's great to catch up with you i I hope that your your season gets to resume somewhat shortly i guess the good thing about basketball is that you guys can play indoors so you don't necessarily like baseball is kind of climate driven when they can go and when they can't go but hopefully 
you guys don't have to wait too long because I know as any athlete when you're in the middle of the season it's got to be hard to put it on put it on stop and then come back and go home and just wait it out <laughs> yeah it definitely is but no thanks for having me on definitely it was great talking to you great catching up with you and yeah I really appreciate you having me on well, thank you all for tuning in. I know that you guys could be filling your time with so many other things right now, but I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing from Alex. As I said at the end of the show there with him, I really am impressed by him, not just as an athlete, but as a human. He's just a great guy and has been just such a great asset for the city of Evansville. He's just done so many great things. And despite all of his athletic success, he's never let it get to his head really. And so I was really happy to have him share his faith journey and how his faith has impacted who he is as an athlete and a person. I mean, you guys have to realize he is the all-time leading scorer at the University of Southern Indiana, which has had a lot of really good basketball players. So he's one of the best players to ever play at a very, very successful Division II program. And obviously now getting a chance to play in the G League and make some money playing professionally. He's just stayed grounded and he's relied on his hard work to get where he's at. So I just think he's a great example for so many young people that are athletes that need somebody to look up to. I think Alex is just a really, really good role model. So make sure that you guys give him a follow and reach out to him. Let him know that you enjoyed hearing him on the show this week. I'll put his social media channels in the show notes. Also, feel free to give me a follow. I'm Cole Claiborne on pretty much any social media platform. I'll put those links in the show notes as well. If you guys want to email me as well, you can send an email to innohurry at coleclaiborne.com, and I'd love to connect with you guys there. And it also helps if you guys leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's similar to an Amazon review. Just lets people know that this is a show that they might enjoy hearing as well. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Make sure you check out Donato's Pizza. And make sure you check out Leroy's Tavern if you're in Evansville. And as always, I hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And we'll see you next week.